Hey babe, are you overwhelmed and burnt out by never ending to-do lists, constantly giving your time to others and feeling out of balance in your personal life? And are you ready to get absolute clarity on your life's purpose and activate the best version of you? Then it's time to ignite that inner fire and rediscover the fierce, confident woman you are born to be. Welcome to The Beam Life, where myself and other guests empower you to take steps toward the life you want so you can truly be everything and more. I'm Caitlin, your empowerment coach, new bestie, and lover of all things leopard print. It's time to get this party started, y'all. Hey, babe, welcome to the Beam Life Podcast. I am your host, Caitlin, and this week we have an incredibly special guest with us. But before we dive into this episode, I wanted to share about all the things I am so excited to be bringing to this community the month of May. Not only do we have our brand new group coaching program, Ignite, starting in just a few days, but we also have two expander trainings happening in our monthly membership and a free two-week live journaling experience in the free community and a local hiking um, adventure here in Los Angeles, as well as a book club. I am telling you that this community is exploding and it makes my heart so happy. You can find all the details about how to connect and get involved um, by going to the show notes. Again, I want to remind you um, about the importance of sharing these episodes with your friends or on social. Um, It is absolutely the best way to get the word out about the podcast, and I am so grateful to all of all of you who consistently share it. And it's made such a difference. We are over 21,000 downloads together as a community and growing. So thank you again for being a part of this community and my world. I couldn't do it without you. All right, now let's dive into this episode. This week, I have Lisa Bachman, who is the author of the book, The Book We Wish We Had. I want to let you know that during this episode, we do talk about suicide. So please turn off this podcast if this is not something that you are comfortable talking about or you are not able to listen to. There are plenty of other episodes that you can dive into, um, but I wanted just to let you know that before we dive even deeper. All right, so let me tell you about my guest, Lisa. Lisa's youngest son, Justin, was sick and suffering and broken, and she and her husband had no idea how to help heal or fix him. His third suicide attempt by the time he was 11 years old was their final wake-up call. Although he survived, their family was left without a roadmap. They'd start down a path, hit a wall, turn around, and begin again. Thankfully, with help, they found their way. Not only did they get there through extraordinarily difficult times with a suicidal son, but he went on to start a nationwide nonprofit organization and a motivational speaker who has led more than 150 full school assemblies. 
This book that she wrote, The Book We Wish She Had, is dedicated to all the kids and adults who feel alone because no one understands what they're facing. It is for all the parents worried about their children, the siblings who feel lost, the teachers who don't know how to handle a student, the medical professionals who are uncertain how to respond to a patient. It is for the friends who are fearful or unsure what to do and for anyone who simply feels other. This is all about Lisa and the book that we wish we had. Let's get started. Hi, Lisa. Welcome to The Beam Life. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you, Caitlin. I am honored to be here. You know, I talked a little bit about it in the pre-recording of your intro, but the reason I decided to have you on here is because you have a beautiful way of talking about something that our society just doesn't talk about enough. And there's a lot of shame and a lot of guilt and a lot of um, hiding. And um, especially for mothers, it can feel really lonely, at least I know from my personal experience. And so I'm just really grateful that you are brave enough to bring this to the table And as a kind of warning for this community, if you're listening, we will be talking about really hard things um, like mental health and suicide, um, particularly when it comes to our children. So if that is something that you're not ready to listen to, that's okay. But I wanted to let you know that that is really what our conversation is centered around today as Lisa is the author of the book, we wish we had, which that title should tell you all of it, right? (laughs) So Lisa, tell us a little bit about your book, because I know we're going to talk about so much more than that, but that's really kind of where this all starts. And it's how we met was through me learning about your book. So tell us about the book we wish we had and the main message that's in there. Thank you so much, Caitlin. That introduction was so beautiful because it is so important to use the right words. Kids know them, <laughs> you know, yeah. whether, whether we realize it or not, they understand what suicide means. And that was part of the impetus to write the book. And as an overview, my son attempted suicide three times before he was 11 years old and mm. nobody believed us. Oh, he's too young. He doesn't really know what he's talking about. He, he knew exactly what he was doing. And mm-hmm. we went on, like you said, this very lonely, dark journey where we didn't know how to find resources. We felt so alone. I, you know, I would go and privately cry myself to sleep at night. So I wrote the book to talk about some of the things I wished I had done differently, as well as things that I wished family members or friends or teachers could have done that would have provided us with the support that we needed. Yeah. You know, I think that that is something I've lost many friends to suicide. Unfortunately, I almost too many to count and I'm only 36 years old, you know, and a lot of this happened when I was in college was a majority of friends that I lost. And, um, every time it always feels like, how I'm so, I'm like surprised, you know, but it wasn't always, uh, 
something that came out of the blue. Everything always ends up transpiring like, oh, this is something that's been going on a long time, or there's always been signs of it. And, you know, I, I, I wholeheartedly believe that when you brought this to professionals, especially when your child was only 11 or even younger, that they're like, no. And, you know, dismissive because they think kids don't know, but kids, especially now with social media and our society, like they know, they know, they know. They know. my daughter at six has a general idea, you know, and it's, it's unreal. It's unreal. So I know that this book, you know, Hein, you said you wish things that you had wished you had known and done differently. And I, you know, as always looking back is always 2020, right? Vision is 2020. But I know that there had to have been a lot of challenges in writing this book because not only are you writing about a subject matter that's challenging in and of itself, but it has a very deep personal uh, and emotional tie to you and your life and your family. So how did you decide, number one, to sort of write this book? And then um, how did you overcome some of those challenges? And maybe, I don't know, maybe you didn't feel it. Maybe you didn't feel guilt or shame or embarrassment or things that come with talking about something, especially with your own kid. Oh, sure. And, you know, it's funny. I never thought about writing a book. And one day I, we moved to Orlando about four and a half years ago. And there was a woman that I was meeting for the first time. And I shared our story with her. And she looked at me and said, you must write a book. Mm. So that was really the seed that got planted. And what I came to realize is that as my son, I my son became a motivational speaker and I traveled the country with him. And every single time parents would come up to me, teachers would come up to me to tell me about the issues that their children were facing. And I felt like I was looking in a mirror. And so mm. it, it made me realize that, you know, we, we got incredibly lucky. We worked incredibly hard to get to where we were. And so I thought, okay, I have something I can share. And I made the promise to myself that I would make it very real. And there were times, there were times that I thought I'm not publishing this. It was more for me to process and so I would write and then I would put it away. And then I would get a phone call. Somebody would die by suicide. You mm-hmm. know, a parent would call and say, my child's in crisis. I need somebody to listen. I would pull it back out <laughs> and start writing again. Yeah. And, and that happened. It took me two years. I was going to ask that. Through. Yep. It took me two years to get through the writing, but now I'm so glad that I did because I've Sorry, I get like choked up because some of the it it hurts my heart to know that parents are going through this and the calls that I've received have I know it's making a difference. Yeah. That just means the world to me. And I hope that, you know, those that are listening that I always say everyone has a book in them. Everyone has a story in them and we often dismiss it like no one would want to hear about that, or that's not important, or that wouldn't help anyone. And I hope that this is a like big flag waving at them, like, you know, share your story, get out there because I believe 
so much. It is through the power of storytelling that we grow as, you know, humans and also can connect to one another because we start to see each other and each other's stories. Right. And it, right. it, it helps to really like we stop looking at all the things that make us different and we start seeing the things that actually make us so much of the same. And And that's, I was going to say, you know, the thing that I realized is that our story might be a little bit different, but our journey Mm -hmm. so similar. And there are so many people out there that feel so alone. And, And the way I always felt was I was very alone in my own experience, but I never knew there were other people out there feeling exactly the same way. Yeah. And it probably wasn't until you wrote this book that you realized that. Yeah. How old was your son from the time that, you know, you wrote this book to everything that you all went through as a family? So he, his final suicide attempt was at age 10. So that's why I always Mm -hmm. say before 11. And then we got very lucky in that a social worker came into our lives that we worked with for three years. Mm. She would come to our house three to four times a week and she would stay for hours at a time. And she worked with us for a three-year period. So we graduated, if you will. Sure. Yeah. Justin was in the eighth grade. Okay. And then things started to look up and I started writing the book. Let's see, three years ago, he was about 22. Okay. So he's, he's about to turn 26. And it was really a labor of love that we did together in that I would write a chapter and then I would send it to him Mm. and he would look at it and then we would get on FaceTime and we would rewrite it. (laughs) I love that. I think that, you know, having him as part of the process has also probably been, I'm assuming healing and he's able to share a different perspective from his personal experience, right? Because while both of you were going through all of this, you were going through it differently, but together. So, and you know, and also I had, I asked permission. I have two older children as well as my husband Mm -hmm. and we all went through everything together. And so before I even put the first word on paper, I asked all of them if they had any objections and Mm. and I'm very lucky and that everybody was very willing. I mean, my older two, um, you know, they don't, they don't talk about it as much because they deal with it in their own way, but, but they completely understand how open we are because they know it's helping. Yeah. Speaking of, of helping what if, you know, I know you've probably had so many, but has any like feedback have been particularly, moving or life-changing that you can remember that keeps kind of this mission alive for you and why you keep showing up in the way you do? It, it does. You know, I, I have to say when I first published the book, I had a little bit of fear <laughs> because yeah. I didn't know how it would get accepted. I mentioned earlier that nobody believed that my son was actually suicidal. And I thought, you know, there are some pretty crazy stories in this book are people going to believe it? So I did a very, very soft launch where I only sent it out to my own list. And I put one post on Facebook. And a few weeks later, I received a call. I'm going to totally age myself from a person that I graduated high school with. 
And mm-hmm. literally the last time I saw him was at graduation. So that was about 40 years ago. Wow. We are not friends on Facebook, but clearly there's some mutual friends somewhere. And he took the time to find my number and to call me and to tell me that he wished he'd had my book when he was raising his kids. Mm. And he and his wife started a nonprofit and he was calling to ask if they could promote the book. That's so beautiful. So, So that meant everything to me. And then I got a call from, my husband has a very, very long standing friend. He was in our wedding and he got married for the second time. So I don't know his second wife as well. I mean, right. We, you know, we met a couple times, but I don't know her very well. Sure. After reading the book, she called me and she said, you know, she, her kids were very typical. She had two boys that, you know, just very typical issues, nothing major. And what she said was that it gave her such an awareness of what other people are going through. And she thought, oh my goodness, I could have been more compassionate. And she Mm. said that going forward, she was really going to take that to heart and make sure that she saw people and saw her friends and her friend's children. And I guess it allowed her to use a lot more empathy. So yeah. I think those are some of my favorite stories. I love, I love that idea of even if it hasn't something that's directly affected you or your family, being able to hear stories like this and see how, wow, you know, there are so many people probably that I know, but didn't know that this was happening behind right. closed doors. Yes. And, you know, I, I am such I just posted something today about even comparison because oftentimes we are walking around always comparing ourselves to to the people around us and what they have and what we don't have and I'm always saying you you don't know people always show you the best right and <laughs> oh, it's yeah. oftentimes those that have the shiniest things that there's so much going on but there's a lot of fear in showing that because they've put on this persona for so long that showing anything different feels terrifying. And so they really, when we do that, when we aren't authentic and aren't sharing what's going on in our lives, we don't open up for people to check on us and, you know, see if we're doing okay. So I, I love that both in being open to sharing with people, you know, you can trust and hold space with and can hold space for you, but also, um, having compassion for others. That's really, really beautiful. Um, You know, and I want to add something to that because when we were going through our darkest days, I didn't share, you know, we did withdraw and I did make an effort to fill the people that I thought were in my closest inner circle. I made an effort to fill them in and Unfortunately, they couldn't handle it. And and I think looking back with hindsight, I think they probably didn't know the words to say or they were fearful, but I was abandoned. And the thing that you have to realize, and, and I think others need to realize, and it took me a while, but I came to the conclusion that they really were not my real friends. Yes. And, and I think that that is important because so many of us are so afraid 
of being judged. I was, I was petrified. I didn't want to be judged by anybody who wants to be. But once I was able to really step back, I realized that if somebody's judging me, I don't need them in my life. Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. You're so right. Because if you don't tell anybody, you're not opening yourself for compassion. Exactly. At the same time, when you don't get that compassion, it's time to just say goodbye. Yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. I talk a lot about that, not only on this podcast, but on my platforms, like some relationships just aren't meant to be there forever. And in the hardest times is when I have seen who my real deep friendships are or relationships are. And that goes for family as well. Um, you know, not just friends. So, and the people sometimes I least expect it have come through and, I'm always surprised and in the best (laughs) way, like, Oh, I had no idea Uh that you were available for me in this way. Right, right. So that creates, you know, creates new, new things. Um, I do know because I'm a coach and I know my community very well that there are listeners that probably are experiencing similar things with their current young children right now. You know, I would say the women in my community are as young as 25 and as amazingly mature as 65, right? Like we have a whole (laughs) range of women here. And yes, not, I I don't like the word old is so, I mean, when, when JLo looks the way she does in her fifties, I'm like, there's no such thing as old anymore. Um, She looks better than like a 20 year old. Um, So I know that they are women going through this right now and are in that place where maybe there is that, um, because not only do we personally not want to be judged, but as a mama bear, you don't want your kid to be judged, you know? And that I think is the scariest part for a mother in particular. And I know this because my daughter has some mental health things that we are in the process of uncovering and working through with therapy. And I have my circle that I feel comfortable talking about that with, but then I notice there's others where I kind of stop myself. So how can, and how did you, um, like what advice would you give parents that are kind of going through something like this that have maybe fear or uncertainty or doubt about next steps or how to approach this with their kids or how to talk about this with family, because it's so many layered things. Right. Right. And I I will tell you that our life changed when we connected with the right resources. So Mm -hmm. my son has Tourette syndrome. I don't know why, but in the beginning, somebody said, oh, you should call the Tourette syndrome association. And I made an assumption that it was only a support group. And, and so at first I didn't call and after finally I got to the point where I was so desperate that I did pick up the phone and call and I learned they were, they are so much more. There are so many wonderful nonprofits out there that have resources that can make a world of difference. And mm. I will tell you, once we connected with the National Tourette Syndrome Association, it, it changed everything. Um, yeah. Another thing that we did was we started participating in a baseball league for kids who were different. 
And that opened up a whole new social avenue because, and there were kids of all abilities there. Sure. Yeah. There were volunteers there that, you know, didn't have, and these were, and I'm, I'm very specifically not using the word disability because some kids did, some kids didn't, and you didn't know it didn't matter, mm-hmm. but that really allowed us to kind of find our community. There was somebody that said something to me uh, along the way that made a whole lot of sense. And that it's before kids are in high school, it, nothing really matters. It's their proving ground to make their mistakes. Once they're in high school, you know, they're starting to put their transcript together for college. And I was told, don't sweat it. And that helped so much. It took pressure off of grades, of homework that wasn't completed. I mean, believe me, we still tried our best. (laughs) Of course. It it was try your best. But if Justin couldn't do homework one night, it wasn't an argument. So once we kind of started to relieve ourselves of some of that pressure, things got a little bit better too. So I think, you know, there's lots more, we could probably talk forever. Yeah. But, you know, I think finding the resources, finding a community, and then, <clears throat> excuse me, giving yourself permission to just take yeah. a breath can really be helpful. I love that number three big time (laughs) Uh because that was a real time thing for me this week. You know, she's in kindergarten and they already are assigning these like packets of homework to prepare them for first grade. And there's definitely early signs of ADHD there. And, um, like it's hard for a little body sometimes to sit down and do paperwork. And she's so freaking intelligent. It's not that she doesn't know. She just doesn't want to sit there and do it. Right. And, you know, I thought about this thing where it's like, I I watched this parenting woman on Instagram and she always says, it's not an emergency. And I remembered that because (laughs) she said, I don't want to do my homework tonight. And I was like, I was on the verge of being like, but you have to. And then I just stopped myself. And I was like, Caitlin, this is not an emergency. Mm -hmm. She's still going to be okay. (laughs) Like everything's Yes. Everything's going to be okay. And so we didn't do homework. We said, F it. We're not doing it tonight. (laughs) And all of us, like, we had so much more fun. Like, we just let it go, you know? And can we do that every night? No. No. But she also doesn't tell me she doesn't want to do it every night, you know? And so it is, I, I love that so much because we can then feel guilty, like, oh, I should have let, I should have had her do it or, and you're so right. Like at these stages, it just doesn't matter. It really no. doesn't. It, you know, and that, so. and that leads me to one other thing too, that I always tell everybody is trust your gut, mm-hmm. you know, uh, trust yes. your gut and pick your battles. hundred <laughs> percent. Nobody is going to know your child better than you. Yep. If you feel it's not the night for homework and you need more fun, yeah. You know, unless there's some pressing issue, you know, trust your gut. Don't don't let somebody tell you something that you just know doesn't feel right. Yeah, and I think that we that's part of my whole platform is helping women to learn to retrust themselves because we are so often shown the opposite of what our gut is telling us. 
And we start to like forget that we can make decisions ourselves and we don't have to do what everyone is telling us to do. But then you, we get caught in this, like, but should I be doing that? I don't know. Should I, I don't know. And (laughs) we know, but you just have to get still enough to listen sometimes and check in with yourself. Oh, it's so hard. It is such, I coach this and I still (laughs) think it's hard, you know, because society moves fast. We move really, really fast. So in your opinion, because there is, I'm so grateful, such a huge spotlight on mental health right now that I feel like there are lots of different resources. You know, I was personally just diagnosed with ADHD uh, only four years ago changed my life and I am super open to talking about it. And there's been so much, um, so many gifts since I've started talking about it and I've received so much help, but how can we as a society do better in supporting those with, um, you know, that need more help with their mental, emotional, um, stability, health, whatever we want to call it, but how can we do better? Right. And, you know, it's, it's so hard right now. Our, our society is just so divided right now and we're not leading with compassion Mm. and we are all so quick to make snap judgments. And, you know, my son has very severe ADHD and, you know, he would go to, to, well, he didn't have very many play dates, but (laughs) you know, Part of the reason was because he couldn't hold a conversation mm-hmm. and if only I, that that's one of the wishes. I wished that some of the other moms would have taken a step back and called me and said, you know, I noticed that when, you know, my child was playing with Justin, they really had a hard time carrying on a conversation. And then I could have said, oh, that's his ADHD. And it, I could have. It, it would have opened up the opportunity to educate on that flip side. What I learned very quickly was that when I was sending him somewhere, you know, which didn't happen until much later, but yeah. we started leading with the education. We made cards that said, why do I act this way? So that That's if just, beautiful. if he didn't feel comfortable talking about it, then he could just hand the card to someone. And it was just very succinct, very short and sweet, but it talked about, cause he has severe ADHD, OCD, anxiety, and Tourette syndrome. And, you know, especially the Tourette syndrome um, because it, it's so wacky and people aren't mm-hmm. educated about it. Another thing that we did was in school, we, in his IEP, which is an individualized education plan, the teachers were required to read a script that we wrote on the very first day of school, very first thing. And it said, this is Justin. He's a member of our classroom. Here's what he's dealing with. And, and, you know, I'm specifically not saying Tourette syndrome because it could be anything. It could be Down syndrome. It could be autism. It could be ADHD, but here's what it is. And then it ended with, here's how you can help him. Oh, I love and that. The here's how you can help him said, treat him the way you treat every other person in the class. Be patient because it bothers him more than it bothers you. 
And then it said, mm. don't be afraid to ask him questions. Ah, makes me teary eyed. I love that. <laughs> you know, that has been something that, that, that communication piece, I think is so valuable for those that are listening. And, and I know I take away from that as well for my personal experience, because it is hard when you have a child that maybe is just a little bit different, but I also say special in a way that, yeah. um, also offers so many gifts that I love the third part that you said about, don't be afraid to ask questions, because I think that, you know, we, I, I personally on that question, like how can society do better is not be afraid to ask questions, oh, you know, absolutely. Yes. we, yes. we get, and I understand it because we also are in this time where we feel like everything we say is wrong and we're going to get slapped on the hand for, you know, labeling something wrong, saying something wrong. And I'm always like, okay, I might not get it right every time, but my intention is never bad. And I would rather try and I would rather ask the question and be told like, you could ask that differently or do it a different way or say, don't ask those questions, then not try and connect. Right. 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 Absolutely. And and the final one to that though, is that we had to make sure that our son was comfortable answering Mm. questions. Yes. Because, you know, until the kids could fully accept what's happening in their brains, they might not be ready. So we did have to wait and make sure that he was ready. But then we took it a step further and we would brainstorm. Okay, what do you think a child will ask? What do you think another kid in the class is going to ask? And then we would help him. He would answer the questions he had to come up with the answer. I love if that. I told him what to answer, it wouldn't yeah. stick. So we kind of practiced and role-played a little bit. It sounds kind of like hokey. And, you know, if you say the word role-play, everybody kind of rolls their eyes and goes, a <laughs> little. <laughs> totally. It really works. Well, yeah, it's like you're preparing them with the tools they need, you know. Exactly. Um, recently with, with my daughter, I love what we did with um, the therapist, we created like a storybook and we made her a superhero and we talked about her superpowers and her kryptonite, you know, it's like, we are all superheroes with superpowers. Like we all have our own gifts, but there's also things that are really hard for us. And that's our kryptonite. Right. And for a six-year-old that makes sense in her brain. And so now she starts using that language, like okay, that was my kryptonite mom. And I'm just like, <laughs> Yay. I, I love this. Like we're communicating. There is when we give someone language and we give someone the tools, meaning either people around us supporting us or our very own child or ourselves for that matter. Um, I think it's the biggest game changer because we now actually have words to put to what we're experiencing and it doesn't feel so foreign, you know? And I I just think it's probably the best investment I've ever made is giving all of us, my family and my daughter, the words and the tools to use. You're so right. You're so right. Ah, I just, I love this. We could talk about this forever. Oh, I know. (laughs) Um, so lastly, I'll, I'll, you know, we can end with this, but how has this whole experience um, 
enhanced, changed, strengthened, whatever the word we want to use, um, the relationship that you have with your son now and, and your family for that matter. Like how has this whole experience changed your family? Oh, it, 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 it's changed everything. You know, there was a time early on when my husband and I were at odds, he was too tough. I was too lenient and Mm -hmm. it culminated in one night where, you know, the biggest, baddest, awfulest argument happened. And we had, we literally sat down and said, okay, we've, we've either got to get on the same page or this marriage isn't going to make it. And Mm -hmm. we made the choice to make it. And so we just celebrated our 37th wedding anniversary. Congratulations. (laughs) So clearly we're doing okay. Thank you. Um, you know, but I think we had to really include our other two kids. They were both older and, you know, I look at how it's impacted them and, you know, my daughter ended up becoming a special education teacher. And I I think that. that, you know, it was because we let her in and we let her help. She was so organized that, you know, she was able to take Justin's ADHD brain and, and organize it. And, you know, and then when all those people abandoned us, we all turned inward and we would have dinner together. Not, I won't say every night, but just about. Yeah. And, it, you know, we, we had conversation, you know, we, we didn't like the, how was your day? Good. Yes. Yeah. You You were real. It it was, let's, let's talk about more things. And we were always very honest. And so I think that we are much closer today. We're a very tight knit, close, um, close knit family. My, I think it was my daughter that came up with this moniker, BGOD, Bachman gang or die. (laughs) And you know, so good. So good. Yeah. And so we live by that. So you know, people will, when they hear my story, they're like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, don't be what was meant to happen happened. And even though it was tough, a lot of good came from it. Yes. Ah, I love that. Thank you so much for sharing all of this today. So openly and just candidly, I think that that is, like I said, in the beginning, this is more things that we need to be talking about that feels approachable and also relatable. I know that the instant I talked to you, I was like, I could tell this woman my whole life story and (laughs) not feel judged. I don't know why, but here it is. So you're an open space that feels really safe. So thank you for, um, for being that not only for me, but for this community today. And so please tell us like, where you have your book, the book we wish we had, and also where listeners can connect with you. Cause I know also you're super open to conversation and DMS and, and all those things. Oh yes, absolutely. And first of all, thank you. I am so honored that you selected me to, to talk with me. So thank you. Yes. This really means the world to me. The, the book is available online on Amazon. It's in printed format ebook as well as audible. It's on a variety of, um, it's on like an, if you have an audible subscription, you can get it. It's on Spotify. Love it. uh, Libre FM. There's a bunch of audible places where it's available. It's also on the Barnes and Noble website. So I tried my best to get it out there everywhere. Yes. Um, 
You can also reach me on my social media, which is Lisa, the parent advocate. And I'm on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn. I'm stepping into TikTok. <laughs> I love it. Showing Good luck. my age again, but I'm getting there. Um, and Pinterest and YouTube. And I am absolutely 100% open to messages. And I'm happy. I have a phone number that I, I am happy to share as well. It's um, area code 216-395-4736. I love it. I I always tell people, I I won't reach out and call somebody. I've had friends say, hey, my friend is, is suffering. Can you call them? I won't do that because they might not be ready to talk, but I, but nobody needs permission to give out my phone number and Mm. and I will stop what I'm doing. Or if you get my voicemail, I promise I'm going to return your call. I don't ever want anybody to feel the way we felt or to go through. Mm. I love your spirit is just so, um, special and unique. I've never, I've yet to have someone share their phone number on the podcast. So (laughs) thank you. I appreciate you, Lisa. Thank you so much for, again, for everything, for this great, great conversation today. And, uh, I I'm excited to finish your book and continue to get through it because I know it's got so much wisdom in there. So again, have a great day. Thank you so much. Thank you. You too. Thank you for listening to the beam life. I'd be so honored if you would take a sec to leave a review ready to take the next step and join the sisterhood. The Beam Life community is a place where you can just take off the mask, feel seen, and form authentic connections with other like-minded, kick-ass women. We do not do surface-level shit in that group, babe. Click on the link in the show notes or head to the Beam Life Create Your Dream Life community on Facebook. I can't wait to see you there.